Well, ladies and gentlemen of the Ethos Lakers family, we have a lot to talk about. The NBA season is finally over on this solo episode of the show. It's me, your boy, JC DeLeon, taking you through an episode where we're going to talk about the little lull that's going on in between the end of the NBA Finals and the start of the NBA Draft, which kicks off the tumultuous, if you will, offseason. And, you know, we're just gonna, generally going to kind of reflect on the season. Now that it's all said and done, now that Denver has systematically decimated Miami in the finals, how do you guys feel about the end of the season? Do you feel like if the Lakers had just gotten past Denver, they would have smoked Miami too? That's how I feel. And so, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people will kind of take the sports route of, well, at least we lost to the eventual champions. I don't know what kind of comfort that gives you. That doesn't give me a lot of comfort. That Denver series, although it was a sweep, was pretty dang close. And honestly, if it, as much as we praised Darvin Ham throughout his rookie year as a head coach, Darvin Ham, I think, simply got out coached that series against Denver. He started off small, which I don't know on what planet anybody thought going small against Denver was going to work. That worked against Golden State. It does not work against Denver. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this whole going small thing versus Denver or not, as my phone keeps sending me messages. But, yeah, as that series was close. That series was close, and... Denver was as healthy as they could be, so there's not really anything missing from their side. The Lakers, while not exactly hobbled, LeBron wasn't 100%, AD probably wasn't 100%. It, you know, man. And, to, I mean, to just look at everything else that happened in the series, Thomas Bryant wasn't happy with his role with the Lakers, so he requests a trade. He wants a bigger role. He wants more playing time. When he gets traded to Denver, where he gets zero run he would have been a huge help against denver against denver a lineup of thomas bryant and anthony davis would have worked because there were flashes in that series in which anthony davis was playing a four acting as a roamer on defense dude was unstoppable just blocking shots his help defense was immaculate i think the lakers need to shift their focus when it comes to rebuilding this roster and not rebuilding because a lot of the pieces are there, but I mean, retooling this roster is a better way of putting it, as opposed to a rebuild. Not a rebuild, a retooling of the roster. Um, I think going bigger is is maybe the way to go. So we'll we'll talk about that here as we get going. But yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back with you guys. Happy to happy that the season's finally over. I get a sense of excitement when it comes to the offseason. For me, and I know for a lot of NBA fans, it's becoming a year-round thing. Like The only time it kind of slows down for me is around September, and that's usually when free agency's done, all the deals are signed, training camp starts in October, everybody just kind of takes a little vacation in September, including myself, who I typically go to a film festival here in Austin that I'll talk about, that I'm not going to talk about here, but... That's usually what I do in September. But anyways, on to the offseason. So 
Laker priorities. Number one Laker priority, and you kind of have to take Rob Palenka at his word, and I think he's seen the error of his ways before when it comes to this type of move. But the Lakers' number one priority has to be Austin Reeves. It has to be. Has to be. Has to be Austin Reeves. He played outstanding. In the second half of the season, post-All-Star game, Austin Reeves was just simply put awesome. 17.6 points per game on 57.8% field goal shooting, 44.3% from three, 85.6 from free throw. He averaged five and a half assists, only only committed two turnovers in the 23 regular season games post the All-Star break. He had an even better All-Star run. I don't have those numbers in front of me. His, his three-point shooting and his free throw shooting went down a little bit, but during that Golden State series, Austin Reed's focus switched from the ball-dominant point guard that he had become to really kind of focus on shutting down Klay Thompson, which he did a great job of. So I'm not going to necessarily put any kind of dip in his playoff numbers against him. And, you know, most people in the playoffs, their numbers either dip a little bit or they only rise, you know, incrementally. Nothing really huge. But a big surprise with the Lakers roster and someone who did immensely play much better in the play in the postseason than he did in the regular season was Rui Hachimura, who's going to be priority number two for the Lakers. But back to Austin Reeves real quick. So the most the Lakers can offer him is a is a deal worth about fifty million dollars for four years, which is for an undrafted guy, that's amazing money. The most anyone else can offer him is almost twice that at about ninety eight million. What that means for the Lakers is they do hold his bird rights. And so he is a restricted free agent. The Lakers do have the right to match. And they have indicated as much that they're going to match any offer that Austin Reeves receives. And playing their hand that publicly might have actually helped their cause because that might have softened the market on Austin Reeves a little bit. Nobody's going to offer him $98 million if they know they can't get him. The Houston Rockets might. But I, I can't imagine anybody is going to do that. I mean, they may do that just to kind of screw the Lakers over. But I don't know that a lot of teams do that on purpose. I don't know that they're going to dedicate a lot of resources to coming up with a contract and making an offer for a player they know they can't get. If the Lakers are serious in retaining Austin Reeves, I take them at their word for it. When it comes to retooling this roster... Their number one priority has to be Austin Reeves. There are a lot of shiny coins out there for Rob Palenka to get distracted by. We've seen this mistake before. Lakers won the championship in 2020. They won the championship. That roster was there. Didn't have a great showing the next season because of the incredibly short offseason run. But that was legitimate. The Lakers' disappointment post-championship was a legitimate thing because Miami disappointed too. And Miami, look at them. They're right back into the playoffs. And what did they do with their roster? Nothing. They kept it the same. They brought everybody back. They developed. And boom, they're back in the finals. What did the Lakers do? The Lakers panicked. They panicked because 
Kyle Kuzma is a square peg in a round hole. He's a six foot ten wing who can shoot threes. That's an amazing thing to have. Didn't fit with what the Lakers wanted, so they traded him, which was a right move. But you had a good trade already agreed to, and then all of a sudden, shiny coin Russell Westbrook comes. Russell Westbrook set this franchise back at least two to three years, and it's eventually Ethan and I are just going to stop mentioning his name. But I think this summer it just kind of you can't you can't look at how close the Lakers got this season, and how close the Lakers were the previous season before, even though they got even though they got outbeat by Phoenix. Just Russell Westbrook was an overcorrection, an overcorrection that didn't need to happen. Now I, now R- Rob Palinka made a lot of strides in correcting a lot of mistakes with that Russell Westbrook deal and bringing who we brought in, bringing D'Lo, bringing Jared Vanderbilt, bringing Mo Bamba, bringing Rui, and bringing Malik Beasley. He he earned himself a lot of credit back. But I still wouldn't put it past him to get to get distracted by some of the shiny coins that are out there. And we'll we'll talk about them here in a little bit. But yeah, the the philosophy in retooling the roster has to be maintaining the core, which Rob Palinka has said. Now I have tweeted that aside from the two main priorities of re-signing Austin Reeves and re-signing Rui Hachimura, which Hachimura I'll get to actually now since I gave a lot of airtime to Austin Reeves. Rui Hachimura is in a situation where it's not quite the same as Austin Reeves. I don't think he can command $98 million the way Austin Reeves has, but Rui is going to have suitors, and the Lakers are in a position to match, and I do think the Lakers have indicated that they're going to match. I think LeBron really loves playing with Rui. I know he loves playing with Austin. So the three main Lakers priorities this summer, and I tweeted this on June 13th, aside from re-signing Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, there should be three priorities to the Lakers offseason this summer. Number one, build a roster that can get a six seed or higher, preferably higher. Why a six seed? Well, you want to avoid the play-in tournament. This regular season proved more so than any other season in history before, that the regular season doesn't matter as much. And this is something that LeBron has understood. And this is something that has hurt his his MVP numbers. He's never going to be on a team that is dominating for that one or two seed and home court advantage all playoffs long. I don't think he has that in him anymore. But there isn't as much value. The Lakers played great at home, which, I mean, yeah, preferably you want higher than a six seed. You definitely want to avoid the play-in tournament, but you know, the Lakers almost made the finals as a seven seed. The Miami Heat took Denver to five as an eight seed. As an eight seed that was three minutes away from losing the first play-in game versus Chicago. Like, can you imagine that? They were three minutes away and they ended up making it to the finals. So you definitely want a six seed or higher, preferably higher. Two. Priority number two, you want to build a roster that can do the above, which is get a six seed or higher, and limit LeBron and Anthony Davis regular season minutes. There's an addendum to this that 
could eventually involve free agents. I don't want to necessarily talk about the free agents yet, but that's an important priority for number two. If you can build a roster that can get you a six seed or higher while limiting LeBron and Anthony Davis's regular season minutes and games, that's golden. I think, and it's important to have that goal of that six seed in mind because that gives you perspective. And I think from there they can work with how many minutes they can give LeBron and Anthony Davis to help preserve them for the playoffs. Priority number three. Now this comes with evolution. Evolution for the league, evolution for the game of basketball. When the Golden State Warriors ended up drafting what would go on to become the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of the game in in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And doing it with a center like like Draymond Green, who's only 6'8", 6'7", maybe. That forced an evolution in a copycat league to go small. It forced big men to learn skills like shooting threes. It made everyone change their team philosophies. Teams started building rosters to compete with Golden State. Well, the Golden State's run is over. Rob Myers, the guy who architect who architectured their their great run, he has left the team. They're older. Their young core of Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga and those guys aren't quite as good as people thought. The run is pretty much over. And they've said so as much. They've said that they're restructuring their philosophy around building their roster this summer. And so I think that should send a message to the rest of the league that you don't need to build rosters to compete with Golden State anymore. Now you need to start building rosters to compete with Denver, which is priority number three. You want to build a roster that can do the above, which is limit LeBron and AD's regular season minutes while getting a six-seat or higher, and compete with Denver. DeMarcus Cousins talked about this on one of his podcasts recently where he thinks the big man is going to be back in the league. He's going to be back in demand in the league. And I think that's going to be true, too. I was clamoring. When Anthony Davis came back from injury in December, I was so excited because Thomas Bryant played great in his place at center. And I was really excited because I felt like Thomas Bryant earned a place within the rotation on this team. And so I was really excited to see lineups with Thomas Bryant and Anthony Davis together. I the twin ta- I wanted to see a twin tower lineup so bad and Thomas Bryant was traded. And then the Lakers traded Patrick Beverly for Mo Bamba, which is what, another trade that I wanted. I wanted to see Mo Bamba play together with Anthony Davis. I don't think they played a single minute together on the court. Not a single minute. And, of course, he had that, that really bad ankle sprain towards the end of the regular season, and Mo Bamba just never got a chance. Now, people may end up clowning that move. People may end up clowning Mo Bamba. It, if, you ever, if I were to grade it, it gets an incomplete. He never got a chance. He got injured, and that sucks. And, I mean, you could say the move didn't work. Sure. I'm not taking the L on that. I'm not. I don't think, I don't think it would have failed if they had given it the chance. In Mo Bamba's limited minutes as a Laker, he was an elite shot blocker. He was a great rebounder, and he was a decent three-point shooter. He didn't get enough shots off to really kind of find his groove as a Laker. 
I hope they bring him back. He has a $10 million cap hold that's not that's non-guaranteed. And if it's non-guaranteed, I say bring him back. And bring him back for as long as he can. And maybe he plays well enough to get that make that deal guaranteed. Put him on a Dwight Howard prove-it deal. But building a roster to compete with Denver is what you have to do now. Nikola Jokic was a monster in the playoffs. Now, for one thing that people can clown me about is... Every time Jokic was brought up on this show when it came to the playoffs time and, and how the Lakers matched up with them, I said, I love how the Lakers match up with Denver because I don't trust Jokic in the playoffs. I think that you can hyper-focus on him and limit his productivity, and in turn, Denver will fall. That's more or less what I kept saying on repeat multiple times. And you can clown me about that. I was definitely wrong about that because Jokic was a monster in the playoffs. Now, his game is not visually pleasing to me. You, any any praise you're going to hear from me to Nikola Jokic is going to be faint praise at best because, yeah, he's good. He put up historic numbers. It, it's not visually pleasing. It's not fun to watch. I don't care who you are. Fun is a subjective term that, you know, what's fun to you may not be fun to me. I don't like watching the guy play. Like, what do you want from me? I like players who are athletic. I like players who can run up and down. I like speed. I like rhythm. I like grace. He has none of that. He has really nice passes, which I can appreciate because LeBron has really nice passes. But, man, I just... And the dude's ho-hum attitude about winning the championship. He just... he Basketball not being the main thing in his life. Like, you, you hear guys talk about in podcasts how there are guys in this league who don't love basketball and who treat it like a job, and that's that sucks, man. But anyways, build a roster to compete with Denver. And I think to do that, you have to build a big roster. One of the things I did in you know, what I've looked at over the last few weeks is I looked at Nikola Jokic's splits, and I... I tried to look up who he averages the least amount of points against, the least amount of rebounds, assists, all that. Now, the crazy thing about him is when it comes to assists, you're not going to stop that guy from passing. <laughs> like, at his worst, he's a six-assist-a-game passing center, which is astonishing. That's a lot of assists for a center. His most is 13 against Golden State. Now, it now. Yeah, it's interesting. I talk about the the how teams have to f- change their philosophy. Golden State, historically a small team because they have Steph and Clay. When Nikola Jokic versus the historically small Golden State, twenty four points a game, thirteen rebounds, thirteen assists per game. Dude demolished Golden State. If you thought, man, Denver swept the Lakers. And the Lakers kept it close in a four-game sweep. It was about as close as a four-game sweep you're ever going to see. If they'd have played Denver, or if they'd have played Golden State, it would have been ugly. So ugly. But I kept looking at his splits, and so I wondered, well, who does he score the least amount against? Now, at its least, he scores 13 points a game in, in his splits, which... You know, and he still had 11 rebounds and 9 assists. So a center that goes 13, 9, 11, well, yeah, he's pretty much unstoppable. But he can be contained. And so I think the goal now is when, when before I would incorrectly say that you can hyper-focus on Jokic and limit his productivity. Well, obviously, I guess you can't do that. 
but you can contain him to a certain degree. And if you build the rest of the roster that can contain with that can that can contend with the rest of the Nuggets roster of like KCP and Aaron Gordon and things like that, if you put a competent center on Nicole Nicole Jokic and then have Anthony Davis on Aaron Gordon, yeah, Aaron Gordon gets shut down completely. Nicole Jokic is probably going to get his, but that's maybe about it. You get some good point guards and tall wings who can defend Jamal Murray, and there you go. So, who Nikola Jokic averaged the least amount of points against was the Chicago Bulls. And before I before I get to where I'm going, and you may figure it out as I'm mentioning these teams. Second, 15.3 points a game versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Third, 16.5 points versus the Dallas Mavericks. Fourth, 19 points a game versus Atlanta. 19 points a game versus Utah. From there, it's sort of, there he's pretty unstoppable. One did kind of stand out to me. It's a 24 point. He, it's, it, Denver only played, or Nikola Jokic only played this team once last year. So it's a very small sample size. But it jumped out to me because it's in the middle of the pack, but it's 24 points. Only six rebounds, only four assists, only 20 minutes. So again, very small sample size. Because every other team in the league he plays over 30 minutes against, with the exception of Houston, and that was probably blowouts. So against Indiana, he only played 20 minutes because he was in foul trouble in that one game. But what I'm getting at in looking at his splits and the numbers that jump out to me as far as who Jokic plays the worst against is tall centers. Now, 13 points a game, two games for Chicago. You've got Nikola Vucevic, free agent this offseason. 15.3 points a game. Memphis Grizzlies. Steven Adams. Not a free agent, but the Grizzlies are kind of in disarray right now. We, we don't know what John Morant's suspension is going to be for playing with guns on Instagram, which is... I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> 16 and a half points against Dallas. Dwight Powell, 7 feet tall. 19 points against Atlanta. Clint Capella. You, you get what I'm going at. There's There's big centers. 24 points a game. Miles Turner against Indiana. Nicole Jokic had five fouls. Yes, you are reading me correctly. I would like the Lakers to get back into the Miles Turner game. <laughs> as ridiculous as it is, as improbable as it seemed like it would ever be when Miles Turner signed the extension that he signed last season, if Miles Turner is in play and the Lakers can trade for him, by all means, do it. So what that basically means is me personally, I'm, I'm kind of out on Buddy Heald. The Lakers do need better three-point shooters, but I, I don't know if I'm willing to pay the cost of what it's going to you know, cost to get Buddy Heald. But I might be willing to do that for Miles Turner. 
because the goal is competing with Denver. That's what the Lakers need to do, need to do this offseason. So how do they do that? Well, from a center standpoint, there's really not a lot of options. There's The only unrestricted free agent is Nikola Vucevic. Who I think who I think is attainable given the right circumstance. Once the Lakers re-sign Austin Reeves, once they re-sign Rui Hachimura, I think from there is where they can take a look at all the free agent options that are out there. Now what's out there? Well, you're not hearing Nikola Vucevic's name brought up a lot because you're you're not quite hearing people saying that teams need to shift their philosophy to big-name centers like they used to. Right now, it's all about Victor Wembanyama in the draft. It's all about the name du jour that gets brought up in trade negotiations today as of this recording, literally hours before the Washington Wizards announced that they were going to work with Bradley Beal in finding a trade partner. Now, Bradley Beal has a no-trade clause in his contract, so he can go wherever he wants. Now, Lakers fans obviously know that Bradley Beal has been a part of trade rumors for a long time. And as much as I would have wanted that before, that was a different world. You were wanting to build medium-sized to small rosters with maneuverable players who could switch positions who can play multiple positions, including center, because you wanted to compete with the agile Golden State Warriors. Well, now you need a big roster. You need a big roster with athletic wings who can counter the size of Denver. So what that basically means is, and and ultimately what I'm boiling down to is I've forgotten to say is, yeah, Anthony Davis has said before he doesn't want to be a center, despite the fact that he's seven feet tall. He played a center this season for Darvin Ham. Didn't complain about it as far as we know. But I think I think in doing that, he made his point. Because I'm now convinced that he should go back to being a four. And the Lakers should draft a true five. And because of that, I am out on Bradley Beal. I'm out on Bradley Beal because what's that roster going to look like? You're going to you're going to put Anthony Davis at the five, and you're going to put LeBron J- LeBron James at the four. And you're going to put Bradley Beal at the three, and Austin Reeves will probably be the two, and then the Lakers have do have to figure out their point guard situation. And I'll address the point guard situation since we're going to about to talk about some point guards here in a second. So earlier when I talked about priority number two in limiting LeBron James and Anthony Davis' regular season minutes. Well, the Phoenix Suns have announced that they were parting ways with Chris Paul, and he is now an unrestricted free agent, as opposed to a point guard who has a $30 million cap hit. Now, Chris Paul, with all of his veteran savviness, he's still a great point guard, but he does, like clockwork, injure that hamstring, every playoff run the last few years. I wouldn't be opposed to the signing of Chris Paul. Not at all. Not one bit. Knowing what I know about how 
he's injured himself the last few years, like clockwork, with the same injury, I would still sign Chris Paul because he is that good. And I think he fits with LeBron James that well. And so priority two would still be in effect, but you could add Chris Paul to that list if he indeed does join the Lakers. And which does kind of bring me to my other point, uh, other point that, that you'll, you'll hear me say over and over again on Twitter is that I want the Lakers to underspend at point guard. You don't need to overspend. You can overspend at center. Nikola Vucevic, probably going to be expensive. Brooke Lopez, way expensive. Second in, second in voting in Defensive Player of the Year was Brooke Lopez. He's expensive. He's unrestricted. He's been a Laker before. It's it would take some convincing and it would take lots of money. But yeah, I think and you know, Steven Adams. If you can make a trade for Steven Adams, go for it. It would probably be expensive. If you can make a trade for Clint Capella, go for it. It would probably be expensive. If you can make a trade for Miles Turner, go for it. Probably be expensive. Which won't leave you a lot of money to sign or trade for a guy like Bradley Beal. But what else is out there? Well, let's take a look. A couple days ago, Fred Van Vliet, he was the first free agent domino to fall this summer. He announced that he would not be exercising his player option, and so he is now an unrestricted free agent. Well, Fred Van Vliet, fantastic point guard. Averages 19.3 points a game, shoots 40% from three, averages seven assists, and that's on a down year. Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet's season last season was a down year. The year before that, shot over 40% from three, over 20 points a game, almost seven assists, four rebounds. Like, he was much healthier and shot a better percentage the year before that. Last year, kind of a down year for Van Vliet. Still an elite point guard. Van Vliet last season was a $22.3 million cap hit. He's not taking a discount to come to the Lakers. Best believe that. He is not taking a discount to come to the Lakers. So he's going to be expensive. You won't have money to sign a center, which, I mean, you know, may not be the end of the world because Mobamba is still there. And I'm, like I said, I'm not going to take the L on that. And that could still work out. Probably not, but still could. Now, I'm not all the way out on Fred Van Vliet, but it does mean that that would be no Chris Paul. Now, one thing I also haven't talked about, it's not as high as a priority. It's just something that I would want to see is I'd want to see Dennis Schroeder come back. I think he has a great, great relationship with Darvin Ham. Goes, goes, they go back all the way to Atlanta. I think it's the reason why Dennis Schroeder had a fantastic season this season. I thought Dennis Schroeder was great, even though he's still not a great three-point shooter. I loved damn near every Dennis Schroeder minute this season. And I would still want him to lead the bench on this team. I didn't. I don't necessarily want him to be a starter. If the Lakers way, way underspend a point guard, then yeah, he can end up being the starter. But I think no matter what, I, I think bring back Dennis Schroeder, which leaves you one option at point guard because Austin Reeves can play a point guard or he can play a two guard. So if you bring Dennis back and you re-sign Austin Reeves, You've got two point guards on the roster. You need one more. If you sign Fred Van Vliet, you're not going to sign Chris Paul. If you sign Chris Paul, 
you're not going to sign Fred VanVleet. Which, that situation can be repeated for the next couple of names on this list. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's name continues to be brought up. You've, you've heard me say time and time again, if there's a lot of smoke, there may not necessarily be a lot of fire. The more smoke you see, I don't think lessens the, the likelihood of it happening. There's been so much ink spilled on Kyrie Irving of the Lakers, Kyrie Irving re- reuniting with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving in L.A., Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving. I don't think, I don't see it. I think, I think he wants a max. I think there, I think there will come a time this offseason. I can imagine a world in which neither Dallas or the Lakers offer Kyrie a max. And his market drops way below his value just because he's been kind of a nutcase the last couple of years. Or his, sorry, he's exhibited the behavior of a nutcase, not actually been. I just don't see it. I think I think he's going to be too expensive, and I don't think he's worth the trouble. As good as he is, as good as he's been, you love the points per game. You love that he shoots 38% from three. You love the history and the camaraderie with LeBron. I don't love it. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it would be good for Austin Reeves. As there's there's way too much risk with the reward being just as high if you go with other players, and so I think because of that, I mean, you look at it that way. I'm out on Kyrie Irving. Well, another name that you hear bandied about, who's also exhibited the behavior of a nutcase. Now, I haven't consulted with Ethan on this one. I know a thousand percent Ethan would be out on this guy, which is ironic because he's actually played 1,000 regular season games as I'm looking at his basketball reference. James Harden is an unrestricted free agent. He has indicated that he might want to go back to Houston. Or he might want to stay at Philly. Or some people think he might come to the Lakers because he grew up in Los Angeles. It's the Russell Westbrook situation all over again. Now, he's a better shooter than Russell Westbrook. You like that. You like the assists. You like you like all of his numbers on paper. 21 points per game, 38.5% from three, six rebounds, 10 assists. He can be a triple-double machine like Russell Westbrook. Not a great defensive player, but not a great teammate either. Regular season, actually, I don't I don't mind. James Harden is good. He's not my favorite player, as I've publicly indicated before. Despite the fact that I do love a left-handed point guard, James Harden, not my favorite. It's not what he does in the regular season. It's what he doesn't do in the playoffs. Now, Dennis Schroeder's run, first run with the Lakers, was a pretty disastrous run, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. Dennis Schroeder this past playoffs was great. James Harden didn't have a great playoff run this year. Now, he's he's capable of put, you know putting up good numbers in the playoffs. It's just not 
going to happen and he's not exactly getting any younger. And so I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't think it'll work. And it'll also cost way too much money. Another name that is not a free agent, but you've heard that the Lakers could trade for, his name has certainly been announced as being available. The Atlanta Hawks are in a strange situation. They are so over the cap and haven't had the results to justify being that over the cap like pretty much everybody is available, including DeJounte Murray. But DeJounte Murray is not the name I'm going to talk about right now. It's going to be Trey Young because there's the obvious clutch connection. He's a clutch client. But Trey Young, to me, I think is just a a better shooting Dennis Schroeder. And, and not by much either. Like He's obviously a better scorer overall. He scores almost 26 points a game. But he shoots 30, 33.5% from three for... A lot of attempts. <laughs> he puts up six, seven attempts per game, shooting 33%. I mean, that's that's almost what Dennis Schroeder does. And as much as I like him, I, I don't want two of him. I especially don't want two of him if one of them is going to cost almost $40 million on the cap. So I'm out on Trey Young. From there, I mean, there's... A lot of possibilities they can go, but like I said, I don't, I wouldn't put it past Rob Palinka to be distracted by shiny Kyrie or shiny Trey Young or shiny James Harden. But to me, I think the philosophy needs to be underspend at point guard, go for a center. And there's not a lot of centers out there. And especially where the Lakers are are in the draft position at 17, there's certainly not a lot either. They're almost certainly going to draft a wing, whether it be Kobe Bufkin or Jordan Hawkins. They're going to draft someone who I don't think is going to be ready. Now, the Lakers do still have Max Christie, and they've got Scottie Pippen Jr., and they've got Cole Swider, and I'd like to see those guys develop into the rotation and If they can develop and the Lakers can sort of save money that way, then, yeah, go for it. But the Lakers have a lot of things to think about this offseason. And what ends up happening, nobody really knows until it happens. The Russell Westbrook thing came out of absolutely nowhere. I'm hoping that since I I willed the Mo Bamba trade out of existence, I'm hoping that I can will Nikola Vucevic to the Bulls. Maybe even a package, a trade package of D'Angelo Russell. Oh, man, I didn't even talk about D'Angelo Russell if whether or not the Lakers can bring him back. If they can bring him back at a discount, I would do that. But that's probably not fair to him and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, if the Lakers can sort of, arrange some kind of a deal that brings back Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. I certainly wouldn't mind that because Zach Levine can play a two. And I think Austin Reeves can play a one in that situation. And you bring back Dennis, find another vet minimum point guard out there somewhere. And the Lakers would be golden from there. But 
this is going to be an interesting offseason, not just for the Lakers. It's going to be an interesting offseason for a lot of teams because I think you're going to see a lot of teams shift the philosophy from going small to compete with Golden State to going big to compete with Denver. And who knows what Victor Wembanyama is going to be in San Antonio. Teams might need to start gearing up to change their philosophy to deal with that guy. But that is going to do it for now. I've talked your ear off for 40 minutes by myself. If you've listened to the whole thing, thank you very much. I was your host for this uh, edition, JC DeLeon. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at jcdeleon1. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram at ethoslakers. You can follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. Follow him and tease him about the Mets or something. I don't know. He likes the Mets. And until next time, we're out.